Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. Is doing the most important things alone a good idea? How comfy are you with your choices when it comes to life's biggest decisions? What is real peace of mind with financial confidence and how can you get it? Chris Fleming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors. Hey, I want to welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast, brought to you by LPF Advisors. I'm your host here, Chris Flaming, as always. How are you doing? And I have the pleasure of welcoming Christine Concepcion to the show. She is the founder of Global Tax Law, headquartered in Miami, Florida, with a focus on helping individuals and their closely held businesses with international and domestic income tax and estate planning needs. She's also familiar with expatriation. We'll talk a little bit about that and is fluent in at least four languages. Christine, thanks for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited for this program today. Good. I I may have you say goodbye in all of those languages at the end. We'll see. (laughs) Okay, so I know you have an interesting history. I was kind of checking out your uh, bio online. So take me just briefly through what led you to where you are today and the inspiration for pursuing your career and why you started your own practice. Sure. So thank you again. So when I was in law school, I was trying to decide uh, what practice area was going to suit the type of lifestyle that I wanted in the future. And I had uh, several requirements for that. And some of them were, for example, I wanted to make sure that my practice area uh, let me live anywhere in the world, that I wasn't bound to a single jurisdiction. So automatically litigation was out the door. Yeah. And I also wanted a practice area that would help me with my personal businesses. So after a long time of thinking, I landed on tax law because everyone pays taxes and I pay taxes personally. So I want to make sure that whatever practice area I'm doing uh, will help me reduce uh, the amount of taxes that I'm paying so that I can also help my clients. Okay. What was kind of the inspiration for pursuing your career? I mean, I understand from a tax standpoint that you wanted to understand that better. Was there any personal inspiration or background on that? Yeah, absolutely. So my dad is an attorney down here in Florida, in Miami. And when I was a kid, I would ask him to take me to trial. So I grew up in in court. I grew up uh, in his law firm because he had his own law firm for a number of years so he was my inspiration to take the same path, although a different practice area. Right. Yeah. And there's plenty of different areas to pursue and which you kind of went through what led you into the one that you went to. Okay. So if you could go back a few years and talk to the younger you, is there some advice that you would give that person? Something that you know now that you wish you knew when you started out? Hmm. I think that my advice would be Continue being as diligent as you can with your studies, but also still make sure that you're having a good time when you're doing it. Because if you're not having a good time, you're just not going to be happy in the future. And I ensured that whatever I was studying, I really wanted to. So I would take classes in languages, in philosophy, regardless of whether that was going to help me get into law school. I really did 
uh, study what I enjoyed. And I also traveled a lot. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, and they say, if you really love what you do, then it doesn't really seem like work. Absolutely. And, okay. and I agree with that 100%. So what do you like then best about your area of practice right now? Is there something particularly you like the most? I do. The one-on-one communication with my clients, they really do see me as a trusted advisor, especially because I can speak to them in the language. So generally my clients are Latin American or French, and I could speak to them in Spanish and French. So I see that relationship uh, is really valuable to them because they're coming to the United States and already moving to the United States can be very hectic. And just being able to speak to them in their, in their native language makes them a lot at ease and helps um, develop the attorney-client relationship. Okay. So you brought up something there I want to kind of explore. So what do you see as a common fear that people have when they might be relocating to the States? So a real fear maybe, and then also one that's like a misconception, like they thought this, but wow, that was crazy that they think that about the United States. Yeah. (laughs) I think the common fear is uh, the litigation that we're a very litigious society. And I've had clients come to the United States and they, they think, oh, well, I'm just going to go do something and I'm not going to think of the legal ramifications. I'm not going to hire an attorney, uh, even for simple agreements. And I've already seen this backfire on some clients. So that's the biggest fear. And when people come to the United States, they really need to realize that it is a cultural difference, that they need to be prepared to live in this litigious society. And another issue is that They want to make sure that they are represented by right counsel. They want to make sure that they're finding the right CPAs, the right uh, wealth advisors. And uh, those are the two biggest things, having the right team and understanding culturally how we are a litigious society. Okay. Now, do they have some misconceptions commonly about working with an attorney or working with you? I would say that... It's not necessarily a misconception, but they know that attorneys can be uh, expensive and they're afraid to hire an attorney because of that. But knowing that issue, what I try to do with a lot of my clients is give flat fees or ranges of fees Mm -hmm. uh, to ease that fear because they need the services, but they also need to budget how much things are going to cost. And as someone who also consumes legal services, Once I become a client, I understand that as well. Like I want to have a budget for my attorneys when I hire them for X, Y, Z matter. Okay. So you're working with a lot of people who are either relocating here or have citizenship internationally. Is there some unique things or some common challenges that you help them overcome? And we're talking a little bit here from a logistics standpoint, not the moving part, but just some common attorney type of procedures and things that you help them with when they're doing that relocation? Sure. A lot of times people coming to the United States, moving here either temporarily or permanently, they have a number of assets abroad. Mm -hmm. So before they move here, it's a great idea to engage in um, tax planning, uh, pre-immigration tax planning in specific, so that when they move to the United States, certain assets are, are structured in a way to limit uh, exposure to certain U.S. taxes. So thinking in advance 
and and planning ahead is is really important. And a lot of times clients get here and it's almost too late to do significant tax planning. So it, it's just really good when a client comes to me a year or two years in advance thinking, hey, you know what? I think I might want to move to the United States. What would you advise? Okay. And, and that, that's great. If it's too late, what you mean by that, and maybe you can explain that further, is I'm guessing they got over here and said, well, I'm here physically. Now I need to get all my stuff over here as fast as I can, right? Like, yeah. Yes. Is that the mistake they make? The tax rules are very technical once mm-hmm. someone becomes a U.S. person. Mm-hmm. And a lot of tax planning is very advantageous when the person is not yet a U.S. person. So not yet living here, not yet with a green card or citizen. So if we can plan when they're not yet a U.S. person, then that's when really we we can maximize the tax benefits of planning in advance. Okay. All right. So walk me through like someone's going to relocate internationally. Um, kind of walk me through all the levels that you help them with. You just mentioned pre-relocation pre-relocation. tax planning, right? But then once they get here, I, I know that that's not the only part of your practice. So kind of walk us through, you know, chronologically how you would fit into the equation when you're assisting them. Sure. So someone is moving to the United States either by themselves or with their significant others. And the first step is to analyze their worldwide assets. So someone is going to have uh, businesses abroad held in the equivalence of an LLC or a corporation. They might have foreign pension plans. They're going to have foreign bank accounts and foreign real estate that they might rent out uh, once they move to the United States. So I take a, a holistic view of their assets and their income streams. And I analyze that and I say, well, you know, you have all of these assets and we can put them into a sort of structure so that they are protected from certain U.S. taxes. And you know what? I see this asset. There's a really negative treatment. And once you get to the United States, is there any way that you could sell that asset off before you get here? And like that, you don't have to pay U.S. capital gains. You can keep the gains abroad. And then they said, okay, you know what? We So I draw up a plan and I say, okay, let's put all of these assets into these little boxes and to these and package them in a certain way. And if they like that package, then they say, okay, let's implement it. So I work with the local council to implement uh, this tax planning because sometimes it does require coordinating with council in their, in the countries where they have the assets. And I might have to uh, make some IRS reports. So I would fill out certain documents to treat entities in a certain way for U.S. federal income tax purposes. And then they move to the United States, they have their estate plan and their income tax plan done, and they can get here and understand that they're going to be paying a lot less tax for a long time and also minimize their U.S. estate tax and estate tax being what the estate pays once you pass away. So we have a rounded off to $13 million exemption. And if they have assets above $13 million, then it's subject to 40% U.S. Uh, estate tax. So I minimize. So there's an estate planning component to your practice as well, um, knowing the estate laws and and the things in place to protect the assets and also what they want done with them after they pass away. 
So for domestic individuals, meaning U.S. citizens or green card holders, people who are going to be staying here in the United States for some time or or living here permanently, they need their basic estate planning documents. So absolutely, you need a will, and it could be very beneficial to have a trust also. And you want to make sure that if you're sick, your caretakers know what you want uh, in terms of end-of-life procedures, meaning the the procedures, whether to keep you on life support. So I I prepare those basic estate planning documents. And then if you have generational wealth that you would like to pass on to your family, we can then be very creative working with revocable and irrevocable trusts. But creating that legacy that goes beyond them. All right. Thank you. That's a good explanation of that. So let's switch gears a little bit on a really basic level Define for us what expatriation is. I know we're completely changing subjects, but <laughs> it's something that I've heard about. And, you know, from time to time, you get these little blurbs and, you know, the news media and somebody left the country or what is it, denounced their citizenship or whatever. Right. It is. Yeah. So walk us through that just on a high level. Define what it is first. Sure. So this is actually a fascinating topic. So you have what you think of a U.S. citizen, which is someone who was born here, lived here their entire life, and they want to leave the United States because for whatever reason, oftentimes because they're paying too much in tax, and they want to move to Singapore or the Caribbean. So these people say, okay, well, we're going to renounce our citizenship. And that means there's two ways and you need to do it both the correct way. For immigration purposes, you give up your passport at a border or at the consulate. And you also have to have another citizenship because you can't be stateless. But then for tax purposes, you also, you expatriate for tax purposes as well. So in order to expatriate for tax purposes, you need to inform the IRS and there's a document that is filed, but you also have to make sure that your taxes are correct. And depending on your net worth and how much taxes you've paid in the last few years, you might be treated as a covered expatriate. So different tax consequences apply to covered expatriates when they leave the United States, not just for immigration purposes, but also for income tax and federal and estate tax purposes. Okay, um, so, so that's kind of how it happens, like how it occurs. How long does it take? Like, you know, is there some time frame on typically on how long it takes? You know, it, it's actually, it could be very fast. Right. So just as long as your taxes are filed, you fill out this form with the IRS, you fill that out, and then you can just go to a border and say, I am uh, relinquishing my passport. I no longer want to be a U.S. citizen. And practically, you you make an appointment at the embassy and say, I am, I'm no longer interested. And they will ask you a, ser- a series of questions. Right, I would think so. On, yeah, they'll push back, but they will say, okay, you're gone. But that's a very typical expatriation case. But the real fascinating cases are accidental Americans. Have you ever heard that term? No. What is that? Yeah. So just maybe, maybe I'm one. <laughs> Don't tell. So an accidental American is an individual who was born in the United States or acquired citizenship by one of their parents. And but they have been living abroad their entire life. So they really don't know that they're a citizen. And just imagine a lot of these individuals could be very wealthy, but they have never filed U.S. income tax forms. 
so then what happens right now they're in violation of us tax laws that's a very big problem so they realize what their filing requirements are and then they'll call me they'll say christine i'm an accidental american and i say okay well do you want to keep your citizenship or do you want to expatriate and they say we have no interest in being connected to the us let's just expatriate so then we file the tax returns that need to be filed uh, in a certain way so that they're not prejudiced. And then we expatriate them. And so accidental Americans are typically some of my favorite clients because it's just stories that you don't ever expect to hear. Right. And they have fascinating stories. Yeah. The truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So are there some common obstacles that sometimes stand in the way or are a hiccup in somebody wanting to do that? Expatriate? I wouldn't say that there are any obstacles, okay. uh, but it's actually training the client and educating the client as to why they should do this and spend the money to do it. There's a lot of education okay. in my, for what I do. I need to explain to clients why things are necessary so that they're not violating the laws. <laughs> so let's switch gears a little bit here, Christine. How do you define an ideal client? What's an ideal client for you? Sure. An ideal client is someone who is serious about receiving legal services and who wants to take the time to sit down with me, uh, provide me the facts that they have, and and have an open and honest conversation about the needs uh, that they have and who want to either fix what they have going on or prepare a structure for moving to the United States or, or taking business abroad, but they're people who have time to talk to me and who want to talk to me. So essentially those people who really are serious about making sure that they're being taken care of, because I've had clients who they say that they're serious. And when you ask them for information, uh, it's like pulling teeth and then it makes my job very hard and they're not getting the best services. Yeah, so yeah, it sounds like you want someone who's engaged and actually wants to delegate their responsibility. Correct. Okay. So outside of your practice, uh, practicing law, is there something that you're really passionate about personally? Yes, I travel a good amount. Um, okay, you mentioned that. For, yeah, typically for conferences. I'm leaving to Sweden for a conference towards the end of May. You're not expatriating, are you? <laughs> Absolutely not. I love my code for that. (laughs) It took my family a very long time to get this to get to this country. So no, I'm not expatriating. Okay. Uh, So I do travel a lot, and uh, but my other passion is real estate. I've been um, purchasing real estate in a specific area in Miami. So I bought a number of properties, and this year I bought a few. And I'm interested in growing that side of, of my personal business potentially one day creating a fund. There's a lot of things right now that I'm doing, but real estate and, and right now I'm I'm in construction mode. So I'm remodeling houses okay. and it really is a passion. Yeah, that's awesome. I can tell it just in your reaction and your face <laughs> that it's something that you're really excited about. Okay, yeah. so what do you kind of see as your biggest opportunity for the future of your of your law practice? Wow. <laughs> Uh, The biggest opportunity for the future of my law practice. I think there's a lot of talent out there that 
no longer wants to subscribe to the typical law firm lifestyle. I think the pandemic has really shown or has really made us uh, look introspectively to determine how we want to live our lives. And I think that in order for me to grow my practice, I need to find associates who are, or associates, attorneys who would like to work with me, but understand that if they want to be flexible with their hours, that I am okay with that. And there are individuals who no longer want to uh, be chained to their desk uh, for 15 hours a day and are willing to make adjustments in their life to have a much more flexible career. Okay. I like how you said that. That's definitely true with the pandemic. Everybody's had to rethink their lives. All right. So on the flip side of that, Christine, what do you think is the the biggest challenge or obstacle that you're yet to overcome in your business? Something you think you need to fix or you need to improve? (laughs) Yes. So an obstacle that I'm facing right now is being able to systematize a lot of the administrative aspects of running a law firm. So it takes a lot of time to open up a new file, draft the engagement letters, uh, then send out bills, uh, reach out to clients who would like to discuss the bill. And I'm looking, I'm in the process right now of training someone to help me with this uh, because I really do need help on the administrative side the monthly bookkeeping and entering information in QuickBooks, that is very time consuming. And I run not just a law firm, but I do run my real estate business as well. So finding someone who can help is my biggest obstacle. And I'm happy to say that last week I hired someone and we're still in the training phase. So it's going to take about six months. uh, But I think that is going to be really the foundation to set me up for continued and, and future success. Yeah, you can offload some of those tasks that are important, but aren't necessarily your best talents or the best use of your talent um, in order to do that. And I think any growing business goes through those growing pains, right, where you have to figure out how to overcome some of that stuff. You can reach the next level of success. Okay, so we're getting close to the end. Um, If people want to learn more about you or they want to contact you, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. If anyone wants to contact me, the best way is to look at my website, globaltaxlaw.com. That's globaltaxlaw.com. And there you can find my office number, my email, and I'm happy to schedule a Zoom call. We can also meet in my office in Brickell. So I am very flexible. And sometimes I travel up to Broward to meet with clients. You don't have to twist my leg to go travel. Okay. <laughs> Hop in the car. Yeah, you're a world traveler. So <laughs> driving 30 minutes to see exactly. no big deal for you, Christine. Exactly. Okay. Awesome. Well, listen, I want to thank you, Christine, for taking the time to be here with me today. It's been a true pleasure. And thank everybody for listening and tuning in and watching Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we hope to raise the retirement confidence of everyday people to another level, one show at a time. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Take care. Be well. Thanks, Christine. Thank you. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. 
If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.